0: Welcome to Marty's Music Kitchen, the fun music and food podcast where anything can happen. We're on the road in New Orleans, known as the Big Easy, home of beignets and gumbo, and the birthplace of jazz. Today, we bring two shining stars from the newly opened Jewel of the South restaurant in New Orleans. First, the bartender of all bartenders and co-owner, Chris Hanna. He is the authority of classic cocktails in the South, and his expertise helped win a 2017 James Beard Award for the best bar in America. Chef Phil Whitmarsh has created dishes in England and Australia and learned true Cajun cooking from his wife's family here in Louisiana. While Chef Phil works away in the kitchen on bone marrow cream, caviar, and madeleines, Chris will teach us all about his signature cocktail and my absolute favorite, the French 75. Why is New Orleans a magnet for good food and good times? And what the heck is a Crusta? (laughs) Come with me into this special On the Road podcast and let's find out. So hi, Chris. Hey. Welcome to the show.
1: It's good to be here.
0: I am... Incredibly excited to be here at the Jewel of the South restaurant. Congratulations, by the way. I love this bar. It is amazing. Was that here when you got here?
1: No, this, uh, this was just a single-family home. And um, when uh, the place was bought, we decided that we would like to have a really nice bar come in. And, you know, the back bar started from in England. It was built in Wales for a bar in London. And really? Bar, yeah, and the bar in London had ties with a bar that was opening in D.C., so they sailed it to D.C., But that bar closed, and so the back bar was put in a warehouse, and then we bought it uh, from the warehouse, and it was um, shipped down here. It's 1880s from England.
0: It's gorgeous. It's like all hand-carved, beautiful dark uh, wood. What's it made out of?
1: We think it's cherry, but it could be mahogany.
0: Well, it's gorgeous. And you've got your sundry of drinks here because in a previous incarnation, you were a bartender, right? Yeah, of course. And then, how did you get started doing that?
1: I, I came from the kitchen actually. I was in the kitchen for six years, and then I started bar backing, and I realized uh, I liked talking to guests and being part of like this this part of the party, you know, like where where the whole show was. So then I just uh, from bar backing, I, I learned how to bartend, and then helping guests get along with their stay became a thing for me.
0: Well, I first got your name out of a cocktail book that I purchased as a gift for someone that was all on uh, New Orleans cocktails. And, of course, the French 75 is one of my favorite all-time drinks. So I flipped to the page that had the French 75 on it, and here you were, this great picture of you in this book. And I guess you were working at a time at another restaurant called the French 75. Right. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, it talked about you coming to New Orleans for the jazz and um, and you had the French 75. I'm like, oh, my God, there's my guy.
1: <laughs> so, awesome.
0: Yeah. So you um, started working at the French 75 and learned to bartend there? Or you learned, uh,
1: you know, I, was, I bartended uh, for about seven years before moving to New Orleans. huh but I didn't really know anything about the French 75 cocktail. It, was, it really wasn't well known at all. I mean, none of the, the New Orleans drinks were, you uh-huh. know, like the Manhattan and the Martini and Gibson, Old Fashioned. Right. Those were all. Those were Classics. all known. Right. I and mean, coming down to New Orleans, I was just kind of floored with like how many different drinks I never heard of that were really kind of normal and standard, like the Ramos Gin Biz, the Milk Punch, Sazerac, Bucare.
0: The Sazerac, you know, I Kim's know. Cup. I haven't heard any of the rest of them, so. Yeah,
1: I know. So neither, neither did I. Now everybody does because there's like a whole really awesome cocktail revolution, like around 2004, five, and six. Um, but I didn't know any of them, and then they taught me all of them, and then we took it away. You know, uh, the French 25 was never a New Orleans drink in, until we decided to do what we do most here in New Orleans, which is hijack. Everything you know, like the Florida Lee Mardi Gras, <laughs> the Pimm's Cup is really from England, but we make it so much it's like people think it's a New Orleans cocktail. Even yeah, if you're in England, sh-
0: we won't tell anybody, right? Right,
1: you're right. right. <laughs> so that's my favorite quote in New Orleans: "Is everything worth doing is worth overdoing." So you make so many French and 5s and all of a sudden I think it's a New Orleans drink, but it really it's from France. Hmm. But we'll, we'll take it.
0: I hear you're the expert on that. You want to make me one?
1: Yeah, sure. Let's get it. So we've together. tried
0: to make this at home to a certain degree of success. So. I mean, what can you teach us about, um, you know, making a proper French 75?
1: Well, you usually you would start with the good spirits. Like, we're going to use Doucet Cognac and then a nice, you know, uh, champagne. I usually like to do Brut because it offers less sweetness. You know, it's dry and it just gives the effervescence.
0: And that may be one of the reasons I like this beverage so much is because I'm not a fan of sweet champagne. So, you know, one in my corner. Woohoo!
1: All right. So that's, ah, that's a fancy glass. Yeah, it's the uh, the champagne tulip. Mm-hmm. So I think I have everything.
0: All right. Step one in making a decent French
1: seventy-five. You have uh, fresh squeezed lemon juice. Okay. Uh, distilled and aged cognac. We're using Doucet uh, XO, and then we have a brut uh, champagne. Okay. And then simple syrup, one to one sugar to water. Okay. First, we're gonna do. A a little over a quarter ounce, so it's about almost a half ounce of lemon juice. And then just a quarter ounce of the simple syrup, the sugar water. And syrup. you're putting this in a... In a shaker tin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the reason why you want to have a little more lemon juice is because you want to get... It's not that the cognac is sweet, but you want to let the, the the flavor of that make balance the lemon and the sugar. Instead of it just being like too sweet. Right. So then an ounce and a quarter of the cognac. And then we're going to shake this with ice.
0: Now, I've seen some from 75s that are made with gin. You're right. <laughs> and some that are made with, you know, jambouille um, or tequila. What makes the cognac your favorite alcohol to use?
1: The jambouille and tequila is kind of kind of fun. But the, uh, the two that are mostly made are gin and cognac. The... Um, majority would use gin, Mm -hmm. and we have always used cognac. Mm -hmm. Originally, it is cognac. There is a fun little story on that. I like to use a properly aged grape distillate to go along with the grape juice that's in the champagnes, because it just makes sense to me.
2: Right.
0: What's the story?
1: The story is that it started in France with the Lafayette Escadrille, which was an allied fighter pilot outfit. Uh-huh. Um of the French and American uh, firefighters, pilots, you know. And um, the the French twenty five was a 75-millimeter cannon. And so when these Allied fighter pilots would go on their raids and and return safely, they would uh, drink the champagne and the cognac that was readily available in their camp, and they would toast to the French seventy-five and thank the French twenty five cannon for their safety in coming back. Now, what happened was the, when they had breaks and they were able to go to Paris, they would go to Chatham House Hotel, which is right next to Harry's uh-huh. uh, New York bar. So on the same street, so each outfit would go to their home, their home base bar right. first. And so their bartenders would make them, these French 75s, and they would tell them about like, what, they, what they liked to drink. Obviously, the bartenders were better, and so they prepared them better. Uh-huh. But at Harry's, the bartenders were English, and so they used gin. And they also were really, really scrupulous and to, the, to the point where they would they were the first ones to write. So they wrote the first book that had the French 25 in it. So everybody thinks it was gin first.
0: But really, it's cognac. But really,
1: it's cognac. And I read their autobiographies from the Lafayette Escadrille. Huh. And, they, and they all talked about the Chatham House, the Chatham Hotel, which is, it's no longer open. But the bartenders there made cocktails that are still made and, and famous. They were really, they were much more well known cocktail wise than Harry's New York Bar. At, at that time, like the rose cocktail and uh, chrysanthemum. But anyway, those bartenders made the uh, French 75. We have the Lafayette Escudero to think. Uh-huh. And you're in, I hope you're enjoying one right now. All
0: right. Well, I'm going to yeah. taste it. Here we go. So um, here's to uh, a French 75 with cognac. Okay. That's the best French 75 I've ever had. Thank you. That is amazing. It you're, is- you're
1: helping me on my way to a million. I'm almost there. <laughs>
0: This is a million French 75s that you've made? Almost. Oh, wow. That's okay. Yeah, i
1: got about four more years.
0: How many French 75s do you think you make in a year?
1: Well, I used to make a little over 40,000. 40, 40,000? We actually checked it out because it was just kind of ridiculous, you know, at that point. <laughs> so well, how many have you made? <laughs> yeah, kind of I good. think what, what I'm more impressed and, and happy about is that is how this drink has taken me all over the world because I've made the French 75 in 14 different countries. And no now kidding. now I've made them in all six continents. <laughs> because I'm not I'm not going to really go to Antarctica, so I'm not going to say seven. So I wow. was I was just in Australia, I finished. So there we go. I'm happy. This is my swan this is my swan song.
0: Is that um, well okay, first of all, I have to tell you the balance is perfect. And I don't I can describe food, but I have a hard time describing beverages, but I would assume that the creativity that it takes for a chef to make a new dish is the same kind of creativity you might use to make uh, a new drink combination? That's
1: another reason why I, I um, stayed with bartending is because of like, the culinary aspect. I really, like, enjoyed my time in the kitchen. And then, like, when you have all these flavors to work with, that's what, like, comes out. And then you learn how to balance a drink. That's the reason why I was saying there's a little more, more lemon juice than, than sugar.
0: Right. Because you
1: let the sweetness of the cognac. It's not a cognac is sweet, but every the, every spirit has a sweetness. And so you let that, like, complete the balance of the citrus and the and the sugars. Huh. Uh, the kitchen is uh, where I learned that there are so many flavors and so much fun making so many different things. I had no idea, and then going to the bar and then realizing that there's like there's so many spirits and flavors you can balance and make a cocktail. And
0: right, I mean, I'm looking at behind you at the bar, and there's all like, what are what's the pink stuff that you made this morning? Oh
1: yeah, there's um, this Campari lime watermelon shrub and uh, Dolan Blanc Vermouth.
0: And those make what kind of a drink?
1: It's a refreshing aperitivo cocktail. You'd have it before dinner.
0: And I had that before this interview, so it was perfect. <laughs> it's, it's
1: pretty, it was, it was a lot of fun making that one.
0: What do you call it?
1: Uh, the Bitter Melody. And it's because the bitters, obviously, Campari melody is a type of watermelon. Mm. And
0: that
1: so drinks good. have stories, and the stories are also kind of fun. Just like this French and Me Five is like one of my favorite stories. I
0: love it. It's a good story. So you were in Australia. Is that how you met um, Chef Phil?
1: No, me and uh, Phil met here in new orleans but me and phil actually went to australia it was a really fun new orleans trip there were six chefs and four bartenders and so the park hyatt down in uh, melbourne wanted to have a new orleans weekend for for locals to be able to come out and just have you know real new orleans food and new orleans drinks
0: wow that sounds great well you know why don't we go check in with phil i understand he's going to cook something special for us today and let's go meet phil in the kitchen let's
1: do that He's he's a good guy
2: in the gloaming oh my darling when the lights are fading low and the quiet shadows fall in softly come and softly go when the trees are sobbing faintly with a gentle unknown woe. Will you think of me and love me like you did once long ago?
0: Hello Chef Phil, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good. Well, thank you so much for letting us in this kitchen. Chris and I understand that you're going to be cooking up something special for us today.
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. We're going to do our uh, bio cream. With uh, Madelines and caviar. That sounds good. Yeah, yeah it's delicious.
0: Um, the only reason I know much about the flavor of bone marrow is because you know, of course, Thanksgiving. You know, when you're making all your leftovers, you show you know put all the bones in the in the broth and cook them down yeah. so that all that stuff, the good stuff, comes out. Nice. So that's the that's my own, been my only exposure to that. So how does how do you cook something like that?
2: Uh, so kind of the same thing. We roast our bones down. Um, all the uh, fat renders out and then we clarify it to so basically put it back on the heat, bring it up to temperature and we'll set it on the force at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then we basically make a custard out of that. Um, really? Yeah, it's a really, bone
0: marrow custard? Yeah,
2: it's real simple. It's um, bone marrow, eggs, cream, salt and white pepper Ah. and put a nice scoop on a plate with some panguotato. Uh It's basically breadcrumbs and we've cooked that in bone marrow as well. Uh, with some chives, some hard boiled egg yolk and totally some caviar the side of Mabins. It's good stuff. That
0: sounds really good. Actually, you know what? I've never had caviar. You
2: know, caviar? This no, caviar? Uh, I haven't. Is, uh, I don't
0: know why. It just hasn't come my direction, I guess.
2: It's Cajun both in caviar. So it's, it's local. It's good stuff. It's not imported.
0: Huh. Have you tried this dish, Chris?
1: <clears throat> yeah, it's extremely decadent. It's
0: so, decadent? De- Overloaded. I yeah. like it. <laughs> I
1: love it. It's, yeah, the, uh, the savory Madeleines, and you dip with the. Um, what do, you, what do you call the, uh, the, the, what do you sprinkle? There's like, there's
2: egg yolk grated. Egg, yeah, egg yolk, uh, bone bread
1: crumbs and chives. Huh. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty awesome.
0: So how do you guys come up with the dishes for the Jewel of the South restaurant?
1: I don't have anything to do with <laughs> the. That's a, that's a question for Phil here.
0: But. So Phil, how do you come up with the dishes?
2: Uh, basically, I see what's in the season and what our, you know, what, what our suppliers and producers and purveyors have. And if it's a decent price, you buy it in. Um, and we kind of work it that way, you know, there huh. are a few growers who send us their, their growing lists, what they're coming up with in future. So we can have, we have a rough idea, but we never know what the menu is until I write it.
0: And then do you have a couple of standards that you always have on the menu?
2: Yeah, we have, we have a few, um, we have said the, the bone marrow dish, we have, uh, oysters with, um, pig's trotters, so like braised pig feet uh-huh. and horseradish. We have Eccles cake, which is like a t- very traditional English pastry. Uh, we serve that with Stilson and a seasonal conserve. Currently, it's marma- uh, marmalade, but uh, as from next week, it will be quinces. To just starting to come into the season. Eccles
1: cake is awesome.
2: What that, kind of cake?
1: Eccles cake. That's the move. It's a pastry. It's uh, baked with uh, raisins and uh, is it tea soaked prunes or?
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's raisins, currants, and like, baking spices, brown sugar, and butter, oh. baking puff pastry. Mhm.
1: Crushed more sugar, and then it comes with a slice of the uh, Stilton cheese. So it's it's oh, amazing, sweet is. and uh, savory, like back and forth. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. you know, if you're walking around the corner coming for a glass of wine, have that you know, the other night. It's pretty, pretty awesome.
0: That sounds fantastic. So um, are you like? I don't know how this is gonna go. Are you gonna like start cooking us up our stuff or yeah. like?
2: So you're gonna get to taste the, uh, the whole dish. Great. Yeah, it's real simple. This um, is bone marrow cream, chopped chives, hard egg yolks, just push through a sieve.
0: Wait, you already have the egg yolks in a little container?
2: Yeah. already was, to yeah, was, yeah, I'm going to hard eggs on the, on the pick. <laughs> and then, this is our Madeline batter. course, um, it's a standard Madeline mix, so a bit, little bit more salt.
0: And what is the Madeline mix?
2: Uh, so it's, um, eggs, olive oil, AP, baking powder and salt and sugar, and that's it. So kind of little, uh little warm cookies.
0: And you're putting this in this really fancy so pan. It's, it's,
2: it's put put a Madeline pan. And they go for about eight minutes at 375.
0: Fancy. Is,
1: Do yeah. you ever just stand here and
0: watch them make dishes?
1: Yeah. Too busy over there.
0: Do you uh, order a dish from the bar when you come in? No. When you're in there you're like, Hey, I wanna have this off the menu today for myself to eat?
1: No, no. I mean, I mean if I'm off work, yeah. But it's kinda of like it's kinda of the same. I mean, he's not gonna walk over there and know what a rainbow stream is. So
0: yeah.
1: we, uh, we we, re- we respect not. that we're both working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's all for the people coming in. So yeah.
0: All right, so after that, are you gonna, like, is there more to do now, or you have to wait for that coming? We'll
2: uh, wait for that. So it's, it's the longest part of our uh, okay. night, going for the Madelines.
0: So we could go, uh, you know, chit chat more about um, drinks and stuff, and then uh, why don't you just give a heads up when you pull that out of the oven, yeah, we'll come back? Right.
2: No All right, great. Thank you, Sharon, thank you. The Marty's Music Kitchen podcast
0: is brought to you in cooperation with Oregon Music News. So we're back at the guard, Chris, is this your home away from home?
1: It is. It's and a nice one.
0: I see you making orange peels.
1: Yeah, I'm going to make you the uh, the night tripper cocktail. Night so I'm tripper. Get, get that ready.
0: Um, you know, when I read the ingredients for this, it reminds me a lot of um, a sazerac. I know a lot about the sazerac. Um, we have a bartender in Portland. At this great little restaurant called Three Doors Down. Um, and his name's Matt. And he can make the best Sazerac in Portland, pretty much. Really? He's quite the bartender. I think you two would really get along. So, better,
1: better than Morganthaler? Are you allowed to say
0: that? I, well, I don't know. I have <laughs> not had one there. No, I'm glad you said that. <laughs>
1: I like Morganthaler. but I like to give him crap. Ah. He, uh, he does uh, Clyde Common. It's in the Ace Hotel.
0: In the Ace Hotel? Yeah. We're going to have to go.
1: How about Cask? Have you been to Cask? Or in Portland?
0: Yeah. No, are you going to teach me all these places I still mule, need to go? How about Mule?
1: Mule is... Nope. No?
0: There's so many places to, <laughs> to eat in Portland. That's true. And uh, to get it. a good beverage in Portland is fantastic. Um, you just need to know where to go, you know. So That's true. I clearly, I'm, I'm sure you as the bartender be. know where to go more than I do.
1: Well, we have a, the community is really cool in bartending. <laughs> so, like, teardrop and all that. Actually, we have a bartender from New Orleans. In, uh, really? Yeah, Palomar. You've seen Palomar. It's a really big mural of a lady on a building. Yes. It's a Cuban bar. Ricky Gomez, he's my friend. Uh, We went to a lot of uh, Cuba trips together in the last seven years, and he opened a Cuban bar in Portland. We opened a Cuban bar here.
0: Do you take a lot of trips with bartenders?
1: We do. It's amazing, actually. Is this
0: for fun or education? It's
1: always a little little of all three, fun, education, and work. Ah. Yeah. So... We're going to make the Night Tripper for you.
0: Okay, talk to me about it.
1: The Night Tripper actually is what used to be my flask cocktail. Your so I would flask make a, cocktail? Yeah, so I would make a flask cocktail to walk around with, so I'd already always have a cocktail, because, you know, you never know.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And um, one year, Dr. John was king of Crudevoo, and I was so excited because he's a hero of mine. And so when he was, like, coming down in this float, I would, like, rush the float, you know, pushing everybody out of the way. I was definitely going to get something, and I'm walking with him, and I'm like, throw me something, throw me something, Dr. John, and he, and he gives me a cup, and, he, and his float goes by, and I'm standing there in the middle of the street, and I take out my flask, and I take a sip, and it's like, I mean, it's amazing. You know what I mean? I'm so excited. This is I love Dr. John. Crudevoo is an amazing uh, Mardi Gras right. parade, and uh, then I decided, I was like, oh, well, I'm just going to go ahead and na- name this after Dr. John. I named it The Night Tripper, which is one of his names. One of his nicknames.
0: Oh, what a great connection in between food and music.
1: I agree. Well, Uh, if you
0: consider alcoholic beverages food, which I do.
1: Yeah. And I was able to tell them about it. So that's even better. So, like, you know, luckily this is such a small town, you're able to run into everybody. So I actually mentioned, it was just, you know, when I went and took a picture with them one time, I was like, you know, I made the Rebanite cocktail and, you know, called it the Night Tripper. And he was so excited, he told his daughter, who's a bartender in Las Vegas, and he's like, give me the recipe. I want her to make this drink. So you, know?
0: you now have a drink that you created in a bar somewhere in Las Vegas.
1: True. <laughs> but you want to try it?
0: I do want to okay. try it.
1: All right. So there's a quarter ounce of Strega, which All is, right. uh, is an Italian herbal liqueur. but I mean, it's named after the witch, which is like, you know, Dr. John, voodoo, witchy, you know. So I thought that was kind of cheeky. But it's, uh, it's really fun. Has some saffron and um, cinnamon notes to it.
0: I am a fan of herbal liqueur.
1: Yeah, me as well.
0: Drambuie. I love Drambuie. Yeah,
1: you're right. That's 75 you guys like so much. Mm-hmm. So, and then we're going to do uh, Verna Amaro, which is a bitter digestive uh, liqueur from, from Italy. Okay. And then we're going to take some bourbon. Here, you're going to get the uh, Elijah Craig single barrel we bought, actually, our own barrel of bourbon. It's a okay. Nice, it's a nice treat. Is and that your favorite? Right right now it is my favorite. You mm-hmm. guys wanna you guys wanna taste it? Sure. Let's do that.
0: Of course. And then
1: Pecho bitters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all this used to be my flask and now we make it for people who come guests who come to the bar.
0: I'm thinking I need to go get a flask and come visit you this evening for a little, you know, walk around New Orleans and how do you say it? New Orleans. New, uh, new Orleans. Orleans. New
1: Orleans. I like the way uh, Kermit Ruffins says. I like I like when people originally say New Orleans with, without trying when they actually say it.
0: Uh huh. New Orleans. New, new Never mind. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Nolans is uh, more Gulf Coast, I think. I don't think it's it's not right. not really in the city.
0: Good to know. Pass it down to Todd or he'll be insanely jealous. Yeah. Did you just see? I just got elbowed out of the way. Because this is, the Sazerac is really his drink. So. That's awesome. It yeah, smells. In, I old. like it because it's got that orange herbal flavor that makes me, yeah, I love that. All right. So yep. you're pouring it over this huge, like kind of a cube.
1: Yeah, we have these really nice ice cubes. Is that you know? where
0: you were taking the mallet to earlier?
1: Um, not earlier. Well, earlier earlier than that, yes, but not at that one moment.
0: So I'm looking at uh, what you did with the lemon peel over the French 75. Is the same kind of a thing that you're doing with the orange peel. Yeah.
1: The oils, uh, you're going to smell while you're tasting it. it completes the cocktail.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Kind of like the, uh, you know, just, just the, the same as like Chef Phil, like grating the egg yolks over the uh, bone marrow creme about ready to have.
0: huh ah. yeah. Well, and it's interesting <laughs> to me. You know, when you say you're going to add orange juice or lemon juice to a drink, I didn't understand. I mean, I thought... You know, you'd like slice it up. and Or if you're going to do the peel, you know, like a traditional peel, like mm-hmm. you're going to peel a potato. Uh, but right now I'm learning that really, um, you know, you take part of the rind mm-hmm. to get all of the, the oils from the skin, right? Yeah.
1: And you, uh, you break them in it and the, all, all the oil pops onto it and it just floats.
0: And it smells right now just like this rich, deep orange flavor. And then...
1: Yeah, I hope you like it.
0: Mm-hmm, I'm going to try it. Dr. John's... Night trippers. So, um, here's a toast to Dr. John, by the way. Good memory of Dr. John. Mm. Wow. That is delicious. What is the herbal liqueur that you put uh, in it? Strega.
1: Again?
0: Strega? Yeah. Mm. That with the orange really makes this drink.
1: I'm glad you so like it. so good. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to make.
0: You've been around, you know, all kinds of really good, high quality alcohol, and you, you, You've learned all these flavors and what to put in these different combinations um, to make, you know, your palate sing. What is your favorite drink?
1: Well, that's the reason why the Night Tripper is my favorite drink is because that's why I like to walk around and make sure I always have. Um, But similar drinks to the Night Tripper, maybe the Winter Waltz, actually, because December is my favorite month. In New Orleans, and then uh, winter waltz is going to be on the menu in a couple weeks, actually.
0: And what is that, generally speaking? It would
1: be it's a winterishly seasoned sazerac. So rye whiskey, there is maro punty uh, uh slightly bitter vermouth, and then allspice dram. So the allspice is like it's really good for the season because it's cold outside. And it's shaken, and it's garnished with a star anise, so it's just really festive. And ah. Yeah, it's my, it's my favorite. That's my favorite drink, is the Winter Waltz.
0: That sounds delicious. And it's very delicious. similar
1: to the night trip.
0: Well, my birthday's on Christmas Day, so, oh. you know, is one of my favorite months as well. Halloween, and then Christmas. Yeah? And, um, yeah, those are just fun times for me, I think.
1: They are, they are cool, but uh, nothing, is, nothing is better than Mardi Gras, <laughs> to be honest. Really? Yeah, Mardi Gras Day is the best day of the year, hands down.
0: And I have never experienced a true Mardi Gras. What's it like here?
1: It depends on where you live. Because I live on Jackson Avenue, I'm kind of forced to have people over to watch Zulu. And what I mean is I don't invite anybody. They just don't live there and they show up. And oh. there's no way around it. And it's okay because it's beautiful. I get my coconut. Uh, but I have a five-gallon Bloody Mary, five-gallon Scrooge ever for everybody who comes in front of my house. I'm, I mean, I'm on the parade route. And it starts at 5 o'clock in the morning, no matter what time I go to bed before. I have to wake up at 5 and get that ready. And uh, all these people just start showing up. Because, you know, we have a really nice community of restaurant workers here. And they just know I live there. Uh-huh. So they'll just arrive.
0: So we should come Mardi on Mardi Gras, Gras day yeah. to your house.
1: Well, I mean, you can. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I can't. I mean, I'm not, like I said, I'm not inviting anybody. They just show up and I can't do anything about it. But halfway through, I leave. And then I'll come, you know, to the quarter, and I have a five-gallon uh, punch that I push to Jackson Square. I meet uh, Saint Anne coming down Royal, and then I'll be at Jackson Square with this with this punch. And it's just really, it's that's also very um, well known. A lot of people just like show up, and it's just easier because it's hard to get into a bar in Mardi Gras. So it's just like you're just ladling out this this, this cocktail, you know, no lines. It's nice to see everybody. It's a it's the most amazing day. I mean, everybody's in the best spirits. And then hopefully I am on my bike back to my house by 7 o'clock p.m. and then go to my backyard and light a fire and have open a bottle of wine, and that's it.
0: So are you a music fan?
1: I am, yeah. I, that's why I moved here. I moved here because of my hero, Louis Armstrong. But it's really interesting because you move here because of Louis Armstrong, and you end up staying because of James Booker and Alan Toussaint <laughs> and Dr. John. It's like, you, it's like I thought I knew jazz until I moved here. and Then you move here, and you're like, oh, my God, you know? It's the same thing with drinks. I thought I knew how to bartend until so I moved here, and I'm like, holy crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. And hospitality. It's like I thought I knew hospitality until I arrived at Arno's Restaurant, and I was just like, wow, what you can actually do for guests is just truly amazing here. So those are the three. It's hospitality, jazz, and then making cocktails because it's pretty much all I, all I can do. So luckily, I can make a living here being a bartender. Wow. Yeah. Well,
0: you know, um, I've only heard one of the bands. What do you call the traveling bands that go? Uh,
1: yeah, the, uh, the second line. Is
0: that the what bra- it's called? The
1: brass bands? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and they were, there were some outside um, Cafe du Monde. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say it?
1: Yeah, the brass bands are awesome. That's what I mean. It's like I, didn't, I had no idea until I moved here, you know? And yeah. then I see second lines, I see about three quarters of all of them, and then they're in there every Sunday through either my neighborhood or either the downtown or uptown. And I live in Central City. So the second lines are are going to be through where I live or they're going to be in Tremé right behind us. Uh-huh. Starting to walk around, the, the band goes. It's a party. It's amazing.
0: Well, this morning I actually sat in with a band um, they're like, oh my God, you're a singer. I'm like, yeah. Oh, nice. And they, uh, I think they did when the Saints go marching in, and I would do like, I did like a little scat background, and then the singer and I, he would do a chorus, and I do, we like did um, what's called trading um, outside Cafe Du Monde, wow. and uh, it was
1: super fun. Nobody it, was there for that. We, I mean, was it recorded? We
0: just, um, yeah, we took a video, but it was oh, just, oh good, okay, fun. good, because I actually want to see that. That's awesome. And, you know, that's the, that's the thing about um, food and music and family, all those things make uh, they connect us they connect us in a very fundamental human way and that's why i love doing these interviews and this podcast is because i get to talk to people like you and when we're done we're family you know we've eaten together we've we've had a drink we've shared some stories and you know that's why i like to say that marty's music kitchen is this big family now i just keep adding family members as i go that's
1: awesome yeah, I'm happy to be part of this family. This has been really cool.
0: Yeah. Do you want to go check in the kitchen yeah, and see, see if he's what, done? Yeah, let's see what Phil All right. has for it. right, don't pause. We, we got it.
1: Oh, the Madelines are done.
0: The Madelines are out of the oven. Hi, Phil. These look really good. What do we do next?
2: So next, we're gonna plate the dish.
0: Plate the dish. This sounds very fancy.
2: the Is that so, so bone marrow custard?
0: Bone marrow. So the, oh, that's the, the custard bones. you were yeah. talking about. How long does it take to make bone marrow
2: custard? Um, uh, after roasting the bones, about ten minutes, roughly. So you've roasted it. All the fats come out of the bones, and we clarify it, put in this middle pan here. Uh huh. Um, and then after that, we're going to take, mix them into cream and egg yolks and whole eggs, whisk it up, and then we'll put it, set it like a regular custard. It comes out like that. Nice and nice. And, and voila, set. And you voila. have a,
0: an entire custard container.
2: Yeah, you go through quite a lot of this.
0: Okay. So what's that?
2: This is the bimaro breadcrumbs. This is breadcrumbs just roasted off in bimaro fat.
1: It, it
0: smells next. good. I bet got, this is going to be really rich. Yeah. Those no. I
1: was saying it's pretty. It's pretty decadent. It's 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 awesome.
2: And then you're going to chives.
0: And you know, if you're going to be decadent, let's just throw some egg yolks on that.
2: Yeah, some nice <laughs> hard-boiled egg yolks, just grated.
0: Just for color. What a beautiful mix! You've got the the kind of uh, custard color. You've got um, the brown of the breadcrumbs. Yeah. And then the yellow of the egg yolks, the chives, the yeah. green. And then what
2: did you just put on top? It's a nice big uh, spoonful of uh, Cajun caviar. Okay. They're both in caviar from uh, Louisiana.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: that's it. Bamber and that's custard, it? Caviar and Madeline's.
0: So how do we eat this?
1: With a
2: smile on your face and a spoon in your hand.
1: <laughs>
0: well, okay. You like, go. Chris, I, teach me.
1: I like to cut them in half just because I want to have... You know, more.
0: Right. More, so how many of your bites. restaurant people get to eat in the kitchen?
1: None. Okay. So I'm wondering if we actually should be in here. We but, should uh, be in
0: here. All right.
1: But, uh, then, and then get some of the, some of the caviar. All right. Everything.
0: So I'm going to go up next, and then we'll, you know, vacate the kitchen. A spoon and a smile, is that the requirement? Spoon
2: and smiles.
0: All right. <laughs> so I'm going to put some of this on here. Got the caviar. Got the shot. Here we go. A smile. And then I'm going to taste it. Mm. You know, the, the bone marrow has kind of a, like a rich saltiness to it. It's delicious. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, good. That How'd you come up with that?
2: I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's like, I don't know. I had
2: lots of bone marrow. I want to do something with this. So we just made a custard. Mm. And so it's been on the menu since, pre, uh, since the second menu. Um, and it's changed. I like the awesome mix. Of it. And this is, I think this is like the final... This is the final step. This is it? Yeah, this is no more playing around now. This is, this well, is Chris is playing with it. One. He's
0: mixing everything up. Yeah. <laughs> it's not as pretty anymore. Should we let's, take this back yeah, out to it the it right. bar? Hey, way. Phil, thank you very much. Thanks so much. Thanks, for brother. That. And uh, yeah, we're going to touch base with you, you know, definitely later. <laughs> so,
2: thank
0: you. <laughs> this is really good. It's so good. Mm-mm. I'm going to have one more bite. So um, do you have to make reservations to get in to eat?
1: We recommend reservations. But you can definitely, like, walk in, you know, wait a little while, eat at the bar. Sweet. Yeah. And I
0: hear that you have um, the whole second story under construction?
1: Yeah, it's going to be a nice little dining room in, a, in about a month and a half.
0: Oh, that's fast. Will that be in time for Christmas, do you think? Yes. Woohoo! Yes.
1: So we'll have, we have this nice little um, parlor room. We have a courtyard, and then we'll have the little dining mm. room upstairs.
0: I forgot about that. When we walked in, there's this gorgeous space out. It's like this lush, green um tree covered spot um I bet you're packed
1: oh the courtyard's great um and I've, after working for almost 15 years at Arno's it's the one thing that I never had you know living in the quarter working in the quarter uh was it was a courtyard so when we got this property it was a, it was definitely a bonus for us because our other place Manolito is a little small as well but it just feels good walking in here mm-hmm. you know first thing you see is you walk down the alley and you see that and then you walk into this you know it's, you know, it's humming with, like, business. The kitchen's right there, and music's on, and mm-hmm. everyone's enjoying drinks. It's pretty nice. Hmm.
0: So do you have any other advice uh, for the listeners as we, you know, move on into New Orleans? Like, what else should we see?
1: Um, you, you've seen some music. I would suggest more music. Uh, walk in the Garden District, all the neighborhoods. I mm-hmm. mean, find, find a place that, you, that you've heard about. And it's definitely going to be walkable once you start here. And just and just walk through the neighborhoods, Maroney, Bywater, Mid-City, All Lower right. Garden District. I love it. You know, that's the best part. I mean, I keep forgetting that you can't really walk around with drinks. But, I mean, it's just really normal here. So that's why the whole walking bit really kind of fun.
0: Well, I'm thinking that maybe we should go purchase a flask and then, you know, come <laughs> back tomorrow or, you know, at some point and... Cause that seems to be the way to see the city especially because right now as we're talking you're actually kind of having a cold snap
1: i know yeah
0: and it's... this beverage right here is the perfect warmer upper
1: i i would agree i also have a, a little flask funnel in case you guys do come back with your flasks help you out with that
0: chris i have one last question for you what the heck is a crusta
1: crusta is uh it's funny you, at, you should ask that question because that's one of the reasons why we named this you know, beautiful tavern that you're in, Jewel de South. Uh, Santini created a drink called the Brandy Crusta, but back then there were all crustas. Only the the brandy ones stuck. But what a crusta is? It's a sugar rimmed glass. And what makes the sugar part of the drink is what we were talking about earlier with completing the balance of a drink is um, the, the citrus in the, in the in the cocktail. So it's cognac, lemon juice, maraschino uh, liqueur, orange curacao, and angostura bitters, and we shake that. In the shaker tin, and then we strain it into the sugar-rimmed cocktail glass, and that will be your crusta. But back then, you could have a gin, rum, bourbon, but uh, the brandy one is what we're known for. And, and you,
0: that is the jewel of the South. Is that
1: the jewel of the South? Is uh, was the bar Santini opened. Joseph Santini was the bartender who created the brandy crusta, and the brandy crusta is the first sugar-rimmed cocktail in the world.
0: Wow! Yeah. So that's like your signature drink, then. Yeah, that
1: is our signature drink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we make a lot here, obviously. It's funny, I make a lot of Brandy Crustas now, and I used to make a lot of French 75. When life gives you lemons, right?
0: Then you drink French 75s. You
1: make Brandy Crustas and French (laughs) 75s.
0: (laughs) Well, Chris, I have loved your stories, and I am so grateful that you said yes.
1: Yeah, no, this is awesome. I'm really excited to hear you uh, meet Morgenthaler at Clyde Common, and then... Uh, my friend Tommy Clouse at Mules and Cask. when you get back to Portland. Those guys are awesome.
0: And we'll say hi from Chris Hannah.
1: Yeah, and Ricky. You got to see Ricky. He's,
0: God, he's we pretty, have to see Ricky. His, you know,
1: his, his nickname is Pretty Ricky. <laughs> he's a pretty dude. <laughs> but no, we're really good friends. We started the cocktail like uh, culture here in New Orleans together and we kind of miss him. But he's in Portland, so you guys get to see him.
0: All right. Well, you know, we will make it a point to visit all those places and uh, bring a little love from Louisiana.
1: Yeah, please do. All nice right. meeting you guys. It was awesome.
0: Thanks, Chris. I'm your host, jazz singer Marty Mendenhall, giving a special shout out to my on the road support team, recording engineer, Jason Jurzak, production coordinator, Terry Briggs, and my traveling photographers, Bill Hinkle and Todd Weedman. Check out the new season one cookbook on martymendenhall.com. Thanks so much for listening and see you next time on Marty's Music Kitchen.